This is Zoe Church LA. We're not just fans, but rather followers of Jesus. Tune in as Pastor Chad Veach teaches of God's love and how we can live a Zoe life, an abundant life. Jonah chapter number three. I'm going to jump in. It says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Verse 3, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city like Los Angeles and it took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God, I love this, the Ninevites believed God, a fast was proclaimed. That's kind of cool. The first thing that the city does to get right with God is fast. A fast was proclaimed. So a fast was proclaimed and all of them from the greatest to the least, from the six-year-olds to the 70-year-olds, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. I want to preach a message today. Write down the title. It's called, Don't Call It a Comeback. Yes, I am quoting LL Cool J today. Mama said, knock you out. Don't call it a comeback. Because I believe what's happening here is parallel to our lives says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. You need to know that we serve the God of second chances. That if you mess up, bless you, if you mess up the first time and you don't get it right, and you end up, we talked about it last week, if you missed last week, uh, chapter 2 was about Jonah having seaweed on his forehead. Maybe you have made some decisions in life that have caused you to be in a predicament with seaweed on your forehead. Just a heads up, even though everybody else has written you off, our God has not. Even though everybody else thinks he's done, he's down for the count, she's out of here, there's no way God's doing a mighty work and he can drop you off smack dab in the middle of his plan for your life. Don't call it a comeback. Everybody loves a good comeback story. I wonder what your comeback story is. I wonder what your comeback is going to look like. And I wonder in the end when you come back from the depths of despair, from the destruction of sin, from the decisions that you've made, I wonder when you come back, will you get the glory or will God get the glory? Come on, we cannot come back in our own strength. Come on, Zoe, we need grace. We need a savior. We need a king. Come on, clap. Valley, make some noise with us. Broadcast. Come on, clap your hands and make some noise. We can only come back through the grace of Jesus. Amen? Come on, bow your heads. Jesus, we thank you so much. Thank you that you are awesome. You're gracious. You're loving. You're kind. Thank you that even when we have seaweed on our forehead, you don't write us off. 
You're not a God that quits. You're faithful, you're kind, you're loving, you're gracious. We today, we remind ourselves, God, of your favor. We remind ourselves of your faithfulness. Thank you that your word says faithful is he that called us. Lord, you will start and even finish the great work in our lives. When we turn our back, thank you, God, that you don't turn your back on us. We love you and we live for you. We thank you for all these things, God, that you're doing. And God, thank you that we're in the greatest city in the world, the city of angels. Bless Los Angeles in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, come on, let's clap one more time. Make some noise. Come on, Valley, one more time. We are a clap-happy church. Anybody, you, you, like you love a good comeback. Anybody, this is like your thing. Like someone's down and out, they're defeated. Like just like, just, you love watching. Last week in the NFL playoffs, uh, in between the services, like when we, I think when I started preaching, the Tennessee, uh, or whoever was, uh, the Chiefs were playing, they were up 24-0 beating the Chiefs. I was like, oh, this thing is done. I got done preaching the word of God, and all of a sudden the Chiefs are, like it was a comeback within a quarter. Like it's always fun to see a good comeback unless it's against your team. Saturdays at our house, we love to watch Husky sports. We're, we're big Washington. We're from Washington. We're from Seattle area. We love the dogs. Go dogs. Kelly, our general manager and the person that leads Bancroft, she played Division I sports. She played for the volleyball team for the Huskies. Come on, make some noise for Kel Dog. The only Division I athlete on our staff. It is not her husband. Anyways, but... um. So we're watching yesterday, like our team's up by 16. I'm already excited because we're beating Oregon Ducks. I hate the Oregon Ducks. And, uh, and we're winning by 16 points. And then all of a sudden they come. Like a comeback's cool just as long as it's not against you. But everybody loves a good comeback story. Like, I thought that was so cool about the Masters this year, watching Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods has, has had, you know, such tumultuous years. And then all of a sudden there's this picture on the 18th green where he's jumping up. He has done the unthinkable, done the imaginable. He came back from hardship, came back from failure, came back from everybody going, he's done. He'll never win another major. He'll never play golf again. All of a sudden, there's something about a comeback story I want to tell you today it's not just for football teams it's not just for basketball teams it's not just for golfers that were written off you and I are comeback kids you and I came back when most people thought they're done they're out of here they're not worth time they're not worth investment they're not worth us paying any attention to they're out of here. I want to just encourage, when everybody else wrote you off, our God, draw near. Our God comes with seaweed on our foreheads and says, I'm not done with you yet. My plans and my purposes are going to prevail, and I'm going to keep being faithful. Come on, you might look like a mess right now. You might look like damaged goods to everybody else. But I don't see where you are. I see where you're going. I don't just see what you've done. I see what you're going to do. I don't see your sin. I see my freedom in your life. Oh, I love this about God. I don't know if you noticed chapter 3, verse 1. It's the same verse that's in chapter 1, verse 1. In chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah. But in chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Can you write this down, number 1, today? A second time. Because we serve the God of second chances. 
We serve the God that, by the way, second chances in the scriptures, it's a reflection of God's continual second chances. It's not just you get a second chance, let's see what you do with it. My son, uh, both of my kids, my, my four-year-old and my six-year-old, they're always begging when they get in trouble for a second chance. My six-year-old's the master of this. He, like, throws himself on the ground. Very dramatic, <clears throat> much like his father. Throws himself on the ground. He's like, ah, he's like, dad, please, dad, just please. Please, dad, can I just please? Can I just have pleases today? Just give me a second chance, God. He calls me God. It's fine. <laughs> but he begs for a second chance. Just love this about God, that God's always bringing his word back to you a second time. And just an observation. Maybe God hasn't spoken to you yet because you're not ready. Like some of us have to go through storms and whales and get dropped off on dry ground and go through hell on earth for us to be ready to receive his word. You ever have somebody in your life and you got something to say to them, but they're not in a place where they're ready to hear it? And so you got to wait until they're good and ready. This is called being wise in your marriage, okay? And so you're just like, i got to say this, but they're just not ready to hear it. So I'm just going to wait until they're good and they're ready and in the right place at the right time, in the right moment. I'm just going to say, hi. Um, so I was thinking. That's why you got to get yourself through the despair of life and start to make some resolve in the belly of the whale, Jonah says, I'm going to get this right. In the belly of a whale, Jonah says, I'm going to think right. I'm going to cry out to God. He was finally in a position to hear the word of the Lord. Look at Hebrews chapter 3, verse 15. I love this scripture so much. It says, today, 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 if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Do not harden your hearts like you did when you rebelled. Well, what's that look like? Well, that looks like God talking to you, and you go down to Joppa, and you pay the fare, and you get on a boat that's going to Tarshish. Because God is a God that speaks. He's a speaking God. He's a talking God. So the scripture is saying today, like this Sunday, today, if you hear his voice, don't do what you did last year. Don't do what you did when you were a teenager. Don't do what you did when you were young. When, you know, like when you harden your heart and you go, you want me to be involved in church? <laughs> oh, you want me to give my money to you? <laughs> yeah, right. You want me to apologize to someone? Are you, you crazy? Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Like you did when you paid the fare and went down to Tarshish and got yourself in a situation. Most of us, the situations we face have, have, are a direct reflection of us making our heart hard and rebelling against God's plan. But this is the year that we are running towards his plan. And when God brings his word a second time, we're saying, Lord, I don't want to go through seaweed. I don't want to go through storms anymore. God, not my will, but your will be done. Come on, Valley. Clap with us here at the Bancroft and make some noise. The word of the Lord is coming a second time. I want to just encourage you. Maybe you didn't know this. You woke up to fresh mercy today. 
You woke up to a God that speaks today. God is not holding you hostage to yesterday. He is not holding you hostage to your past. He's not hanging over your head all your bad decisions. No, today you woke up to mercy. You woke up to favor. You woke up to freedom. You woke up to love. You woke up to grace. You woke up to God being for you. Come on, I feel faith rising in this place. Thank him today. It's a new day. Oh, I love Lamentations 3. Put it up on the screen. It says, because through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You woke up to fresh mercy. You woke up to fresh grace. You woke up to a fresh word from God today. If you hear the voice of the Lord today, if you experience his mercy, don't do what you, do. you, you got to start to learn from your past. You got to start to learn from yesterday. Learn from your mistakes. You say, you know what? I've been through storms and I've been in the belly of the whale and I had seaweed on my forehead. I'm just not willing to go back there. It smelled bad. It was terrible. I felt lonely. I felt rejected and, 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 and I felt really, really depressed. I'm not today, God, whatever you say, I'm not going back. Like in other words, your past has to teach you. Your failure should instruct you. Your seaweed season has got to end. Because today he is speaking, and a lot of times when he speaks today, it sounds like what he said before. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, and Jonah goes, Nope, I'm going to harden my heart and go to Tarshish. And then when he gets, you know, all through that season. Have you ever had a season of, of, of slump? You ever had a season of, of seaweed? You ever had, you know, one of those times in life where you're like, I didn't like that year. That was not a good year. Am I the only one? And then you come back and you go, okay, this time I'm going to get it right. God, what do you want to say? And then he speaks and you're like, oh. But that's like what you said before. He's like, I know. Because until you do that, I can't give you something new. Until you, until you fulfill the first thing, I can't give you the new thing. So I'll give you new mercy. I'll give you new strength. I'll give you new favor, new grace. But you got to obey what I've already said. Today, if you hear the voice of the Lord, don't go, you want me to do it's kind of got to be like all right Nineveh it is huh how's the weather because this is symbolic of who God is this is his character and his nature God is teaching us something about who he is in fact write down number two grace has continual chances and endless redemptive turnarounds this is what grace has. It's just continual second chances. Like if you mess up today and you harden your heart again, don't worry. Another time's coming. It's not you get a second chance and that's it. No, we serve the God that gives third chances and fourth chances and fifth chance. You get endless redemptive life turnaround. So just whenever you want, you can turn your life around. Whenever you want to say yes to God, you can make a 180 and turn to God. I love this story because it reminds me of a story Jesus told. Watch this in Matthew 21. Jesus tells a very similar story. It says there was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. Ha, I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son 
And he said, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. What Jesus is saying here, he's saying the first son said, I'm not going to do that, and changed his mind and did. The second son said, I'll go, and never went. Which one pleased the father? The one that eventually said, I get a second chance. I might have had the wrong response at first, but I'm not going to get my life wrong. I might have said I won't go to Nineveh, but God, you taught me that it's time to go to Nineveh. I'm thankful today that we serve the God of continual second chances and endless opportunities for the redemptive of life turnaround. You didn't know this about God, that if you're going in the wrong direction, God just wants you to make a 180. He doesn't need tears. He doesn't need drama. He doesn't need you to go pay a certain amount of money. All God wants is a life turnaround. He wants you to make a U-turn. It is amazing. When I was in high school one time, I was driving down the freeway with my buddy. 16 years old. We were going from where I grew up on an island to SeaTac Airport. We're getting ready to fly to Los Angeles. We're getting ready to fly to L.A. to see some friends. So we're 16. I don't know why my parents let me do this, but me and my buddy, we drive about a two-hour drive from the island I'm from down to SeaTac. We get down close. This is before maps. This is before cell phones. This is back in the day. This is about 1996. Your boy is old. A lot of corduroy today, but I'm old. Okay. Don't laugh at my corduroy. So we're going, and I feel like my friend is going to miss the exit. 16, by the way, 16. So we're going down, the, the, going down the freeway. I feel like we're going to miss the exit. So I've only done this once. I promise I've never done this again. So we're getting ready to miss our exit. So I felt empowered to make sure we did make the exit. So I grabbed the steering wheel, not realizing how fast we're going. I'm 16. I grabbed the steering wheel, and I'm like, whoop, whoop. As I grab it, I don't realize how fast we're going. We almost tipped over. Like we almost, because we start, we're sliding like this. We almost turned all the way around and made a U-turn. What God wants from us is that we don't just kind of veer and do a little bit better. God wants you to make a U-turn and turn your life around so you start running towards his plan and not yours. The word of the Lord comes a second time, and the second time it comes, it comes because Jonah is in the place to surrender and make a life turnaround. He's not making a little adjustment. Oh, I'm going to stop doing this. I'm going to start. No, God does not want to just modify your behavior. He wants to change your heart. He wants to change the trajectory of your life, and he can't do that until you make a U-turn to follow God. So the word of the Lord comes a second time to Jonah. It says, all of a sudden, Jonah says, I'm done with my past. I'm done living that way. I'm not going back to the belly of a whale. Okay, fine, God. Speak to your servant. I'm listening again. The word of the Lord comes a second time and says the same thing God said the first time. When Jonah hears it the second time, he's like, all right, I got it. This is my second chance. I'm coming. He comes in strong, and the Bible says now he obeys the word of the Lord. Write down number three today. I love this. To please him, obey him. To please God, you have to obey God. It does not please God just to have faith in him. It pleases our God when we obey our God. The thing that will satisfy God the most. In fact, watch this in 1 Samuel chapter 15. I love this scripture. Put it up on the screen. It says this. Now, it says, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey 
is better than sacrifice and to heed more than the fat of rams. What the Bible is saying here is God does not just want our worship. He wants our obedience. The greatest test of faith is obedience. The greatest test of faith is obeying the voice of God. And if you really want to please God, just obey God. Now, I, just, I want to make sure I teach this correctly. So let me give you an illustration that just kind of makes a point of what I'm trying to say. I have three sons. I love all of them equally. I've got a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a two-year-old. Now, my boys, I love so much, I can't love them any more than I already do. I love them unconditionally. They're my guys, the Veach boys. We do this thing. We put our hands in the middle. We all put our hands. We go, one, two, three, Veach boys. We're wild. We're crazy. We wrestle. We eat ice cream after the fast. We love each other. We, 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 I, love my, I can't love my boys anymore. But I will say this. I can't love them anymore. But when I tell one of them to do something and they do it, it pleases me. Touches my heart. Like I, I said to my son, hey, I want you to go and I want you to do X, Y, and Z. He goes and he executes it. I got to tell you, as a father, nothing pleases me more. It touches my heart. The way that you can please God is by obeying what he says to do. If you really are here and you're like, you know what? I don't want to just have fire insurance. I don't want to just come to church and be like, thank God I'm not going to hell. I remember my first thing in L.A., I used to go to uh, the schools. And a lot of the schools in L.A. have like a Bible uh, class or a Bible, like in the middle of lunch, they'll do like Bible studies. And so I'd go preach at different high schools during their lunch. And my favorite one was going to Rosemead High School with Mr. Masiello. Mr. Masiello in Rosemead High School, he's the tennis instructor and he taught history. And at Rosemead High School, he'd invite me to come and he'd lure all the kids with free pizza. So I got free pizza in the choir room, like in the band room. So it sat the most amount of people. So he'd feed him free pizza, and then he'd let me come in during lunch at a public school and let me preach. I'd go into the lunchroom. He'd have, like, so many pizzas. We'd be packed out with high school kids. No music, no microphone. I'm just up there just preaching my guts out. All these kids would get saved. Unbelievable. I'd, I'd tell illustrations and jokes and try and talk cool, try and relate with them. I'd do my best. Tons of kids would get saved. I would walk off and be like, dang. It's kind of good. I ain't going to lie. That was pretty good. Like 50 kids get saved. I'm like, not, bad lunch. Not, not, not a bad lunch. But Mr. Masiello, every time, he would walk up after me, older guy. He would say, that's good, Chad. That's good. But I want to know. So intense. But I want to know. You that just got saved, will you just make him your savior or will he become your Lord? And they always go like this. <laughs> and I just be like on the side, I'm like, ruin the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I worked really hard for that. You just ruined the whole thing. Yeah, you scared the hell out of him. Yep, that's not going to work. But I just never forget Mr. Masiello. That's good. That's good, Chad. That's good that there's, they got the Savior. But I want to know. I can just see every kid being like, I think I got to leave now. <laughs> but I, I, I got what he was trying to say. I understood what he's saying. What he's saying is, hey, hey, that's cool. Everybody loves the Jesus that dies on the cross. But not everybody graduates to obeying him as Lord. 
says Jonah finally obeys him. What is it about you and I that we got to go through storms and whales and it's got to come a second time for us to finally get to the place where we're like, all right, you win. I guess I'll obey. I wonder if this could be the year. I wonder if this could be the year that you go, you know what? I'm going to obey God the first time. I'm not going to put my family and my life, my business and everything I got going through a bunch of storms and tumultuous situations. I'm going to obey what God wants the first time. Come on, clap today if you're down. Come on, Valley, make some noise. To please him, obey him. So it moves the heart of God. Worship team, you can come join me. I love this about God because God gives us the opportunity to please God. I don't want to just be someone that worships God, but I obey God. Remember in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, before Jesus, the only way that you could relate to God was obedience. Obedience was the only access point to God. The only way you could connect with God in the Old Testament was obedience. But in the New Testament, the way we connect with God is through Jesus. Our faith and our obedience in Jesus. So first is faith. He's Savior. Second He's Lord, so I obey him. And I connect with God because right away I go, Jesus, you're not just the guy that takes me from hell to heaven. You're not just the guy that pays for all my sins. You're not just the guy that gives me a get-out-of-jail-free card. You're also, like, in charge of my time and my treasure and my talent. And so I'm just going to surrender to you. And I just would, hey, is there anything you want? Remember one time Jesus comes to this rich young ruler comes this kid and he's like hey hey, what I gotta do to get in like what do I gotta do to get into heaven and Jesus is kind of coy he's like well what do the commandments say he starts listing all the commandments he's like I've been doing all that since I was in Sunday school Jesus is like oh it's, it's great okay well one thing one thing you lack go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and the young man was like no. We don't know much about the story, but I just wonder if the rich young ruler dealt with some seasons of storms and whales, and eventually maybe he came to the place where he's like, all right, you can have it all. Because I recognize that to please you, I have to obey you. May we be a church, may Zoe Church be a church that we don't delay our destiny. May we be a church that doesn't take us five years to get to what God wants us. May, may we be a church that the first time he speaks, we obey. I always say to my kids, to my boys, I'm like, hey, I don't want you to obey me the fourth time. You, you, all, all great parents sit on the couch. They're like, I need you to go do this. They don't do it. Woo -woo! I need you to go do this. Finally, fourth time, I'm like, oh, gosh dang it. I'm going to have to get up off my couch. <laughs> like, you good, bro? Yeah, it just hurt. Um, and the thing I always tell my kids is, hey, I don't want you to obey me the fourth time. I want you to obey me the first time. I wonder if God feels the same. Hey, you know what would be awesome? Is if you just executed. You just obeyed me. You, you obey me, it'll please me. Because I really believe God today, if you hear the voice of the Lord, don't harden your heart. Some of you, God's going to talk to you about relationships. He's going to talk to you about forgiveness. He's going to talk to you about your morals, your standards. God could talk to you about geography. God could even talk to you about occupation. I'll never forget one time I had a friend. He was a he was a judge coming to a church just like this. God spoke to him one service. He said, I want you to give up your job, and I want you to go offer to be on staff and serve at this local church. So he goes to his pastor, and he goes, I know I'm a judge. I know 
I got this great role in our state and I've got this great position, but I felt like God is saying to me that I need to lay it down and I need to come be a pastor. God could talk to you about occupation. God could talk to you about your marriage, your children, your future. I don't know what he's going to talk to you about, but I know he's going to talk. Because he's a God that speaks. And by the way, the reason why he does this is his plan is better than your plan. So Jonah obeys God. Think about this. I love comeback stories, man. Because Jonah's like, I've been through some stuff. You ever meet somebody in life who's like, whoa, you clearly have been through some stuff. Don't point them out right now. Jonah's like, I've been through some stuff. I ain't going back there. Okay, God, what do you want? Word of the Lord comes a second time, and Jonah's like, all right, I'm in. He walks through Nineveh for three days, and he's like, just a heads up, 40 days from now, God's about to get y'all. 40 days from now, God's about to come with wrath. This is Old Testament. 40 days from now, all of a sudden, the Bible says all of Nineveh turns to God, and the king proclaims that we're going to serve Jonah's God, and the whole city fasts. In other words, what God wanted happened. Write down number four today. I love this. God knows best. And when I do what he says, his plan prevails. God knows what's best. He knows. He knows. He knows things you don't know. He knows what's going on and you don't. God can see the end from the beginning. You see in your finite mind. You see in your small thinking. You see in your little scope. Come on, God. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and all that is within it. God sees something bigger than you. So God knows what he wants for you. He knows what he wants you to do. He knows what he wants you to say. And when I do what he says, his plan prevails. Oh, I just love this. Proverbs chapter 19. Put it on the screen. I love this. Proverbs 19. It says, many plans does a man have in his own heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel that, counsel that will stand. In other words, you might have your plans. That's great. Have your five-year plan. Have the things you want to do. Have the things you want to go and be. That's fine. But just measure it against God's plan first. Because it can't be your plan and then God's plan. It's got to be God's plan and then your plan. I'm not running towards my goals. I'm running towards my Savior. Come on, clap and give him praise if you're thankful today. I'm going to do what God says. I would tell you, you can do a lot of things on this earth. You can do a lot of adventures, and you can go on a lot of trips, and you can take a lot of vacations, but there is nothing that will fulfill you like doing what God wants for you. There is nothing that will fill your cup like just doing what God said. I don't know why, but God said, give you this amount of money. I don't know why God said, but I got to give you this car. I don't know why God said, but I got I to gotta ask for your forgiveness. I don't know why, but there is nothing that will fill you up like saying it's his plan, not mine. And when you operate in what God wants, his plans prevail. In other words, people's lives are at stake. Your obedience could unlock the salvation of many people, and you'll never know what could happen on the other side of your obedience. Just wonder, I just wonder if there's some people here that it's like, you know what? I'm coming back from the rubble. I'm coming back from the seaweed season. I'm coming back from what I used to be. I'm coming back. A lot of people wrote me off. A lot of people thought I was done. A lot of people thought I could never do it. But today, I hear God saying something, and I will not harden my heart. I will not go back to that. I hated that season. I hated that loneliness. I hated that desperation. I hated that depression. I will do what God wants. I promise you, one time they came to Jesus, and they go, Jesus, you hungry? And he's like, hungry? I'm 
not hungry. What a line. He goes, I have food to eat that you don't even know about. All the disciples are like, are you talking about Postmates? Is this a plant-based option that is new in the city? Do tell. He says, my food is to do the will of the Father. What fuels my soul is bigger than meals. It's doing what God said to do. I want to tell you, you will be fueled this year by obeying the voice of God. You will soar this year by doing what God says. Come on, Valley. Come on, Bancroft. Come on, let's be a church that obeys. Anybody want to please God? Anybody want to please God?